Hi, today we'll be reading 13 scary ghost stories that may or may not be true. I hope you enjoy. Hi, okay, our first story for today is the Antmeville Haunting. One of the most infamous and well-known ghost stories started on November 13th, 1974, when Ronald J. DeFeo Jr. murdered his entire family in Amityville, New York. However, it wasn't the six-person homicide that put the sleepy little Long Island town on the map. It was the home's paranormal activity, which began 13 months later when it was acquired by the Lutz family. Of course, details of the haunting, like most hauntings, are unconfirmed, but the Lutz claimed that during their 28-day stay, they witnessed several strange and unexplainable events. Doors flew off their hinges, slime seeped out of their walls, and there were ghosts. George Lust used to wake up at 3.15 every morning, the same exact time the DFO murders were carried out. Since reports of the haunting first surfaced, the Antmeville home has been the backdrop for several books, documentaries, and films. Our next one is the mo- one of the most famous stories is The Conjuring. You've probably seen or at the very least heard about The Conjuring. In 2013, film featuring Vera Farmigo, Patrick Wilson, and Ron, Livings- Ron Livingston was very well received, but did you know that the supernatural thriller was based on a true story? Yes, the parent family really existed and lived in a haunted home. So what happened? According to the parents, their Rhode Island residence was the site of the several strange occurrences. Things moved at random, there were unexplained noises, and yes, ghosts. The parents was not the site of a mass murder. Many children died under mysterious or suspicious circumstances, and their deaths have been tied to legendary Satanist Bathsheba Sherman. Our next story, The Crying Lady in the Dakota. When the Dakota was built, it was something of a modern marvel, according to Curb, New York. An 1855 real estate record and builder's guide regarded it as one of the noblest apartment houses of the world. And since its opening, it has housed many famous residents, including Lauren Bacall, Rosemary Clooney, Connie Chung, and Murray Povich. But the Dakota made a new name for itself after John Lennon and Yoko Ono moved into the building in 1973. Why? Because... Lennon claimed he saw a crying lady ghost roaming the halls, and after Lennon died directly in front of the Dakota, Ono said she witnessed Lennon's ghost sitting at his piano. Our next story, The Jersey Devil. While this one is not a ghost story, the tale of the Jersey Devil has withstood the test of time, and for good reason. Stories of the winged beast are truly terrifying, but who or what is the Jersey Devil? According to Weird NJ, the infamous creature hunting the Pine Barrens is the third mother, is the third child of Mother Leeds, a Pine Pines resident who conceived her thirteenth child in seventeen thirty eight. 
At the time, Leeds had no idea how she could care for, let alone afford, another kid. And so, in exasperation, she raised her hands to the heavens and and proclaimed, Let this one be a devil. Leeds got her wish. Moments after a birth, her healthy baby boy grew horns and claws and bat-like wings. Legend has it the devil then killed his mother before attacking onlookers. Next story. Phantom Steamboat on the Tom Bigbee River. In February 1958, a steamboat named Eliza Battle set out on a cruise down Alabama's Tom Bigbee River. On board were 60 passengers and more than 1,200 bales of cotton. But when the cotton caught fire on March 1st, guests and crew were overcome by smoke and flames. 33 perished on or in the Tom Bigbee. It is said those ill-fated passengers haunt the river to this very day, and on brisk nights, people have claimed to see the Eliza, Eliza battle in the misty waters. One of the next most infamous stories is the Bell Witch. Much like The Conjuring, The Bell Witch is the subject of two films, An American Haunting and The Blair Witch Project, as well as several podcasts and books. But where did The Bell Witch come from? Rumor has it The Bell Witch first appeared in the early 1800s when the Bell family, for whom the witch was named, moved to Tennessee. After settling into their new home, the Bells began hearing strange noises, including dogs barking, chains rattling, and a woman whispering, and the latter became known as the Bell Witch. Of course, no one knows her true identity, but legend has it she's the ghost of a former neighbor, Kate Batts. It is also believed the witch played a role in the untimely loss of John Bell, who died from poisoning. He died from nine, from 1750 to 1820. The next story is the ghost of Henry Dixon. Tunnelton may be a small, unincorporated town in rural Indiana, but is big in the ghost hunting community. Why? Because Tunnelton is home to the Tunnelton Tunnel, a.k.a. the Big Tunnel where it is said numerous ghosts still linger, both on and beneath the grounds. However, the most famous tenant is Henry Dixon, a night watchman whose body was found just inside the tunnel in 1908. Dixon's murder was never solved, and many have reported seeing the watchman on patrol. With a lantern in hand, and locals have also been chased by Dixon. Our next story is the legend of the Hamburger Man. While the origins of Hamburger Man are unclear, the reason for his moniker is obvious. Urban legend says the half-man, half-monster kidnaps his victims, drags them deep into the woods of Sand Hill State Park in Hutchinson, Kansas, and once there, grinds his victims into hamburger meat. Our next story is Devil's Den. In the summer of 1863, hundreds of thousands of soldiers descended on Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, and most lost their life. According to How How Stuff Works, 
More than 50,000 infantrymen were left dead, wounded, or missing, and rumor has it some of these soldiers still haunt the battlefields, particularly Devil's Den. Iraqi enclave where 1,800 soldiers died. One woman claimed she felt a hand grab her ankle at the historic site, and several others have seen ghosts appear both in person and in photographs. The next one is called the Myrtles Plantation. If you've been here for our previous episodes, we've spoken about the Myrtles Plantation in, I think, our fourth or fifth episode. Okay, it is said numerous spirits haunt the Myrtles Plantation in St. Francisville, Louisiana. However, the most well-known ghost is Chloe, who, according to the plantation's official website, is the former slave and love interest of plantation owner Clark Woodruff. Their affair ended abruptly. Woodruff caught her, e- caught her eavesdropping on him and, as punishment, cut her ear off. But Chloe allegedly ex- exacted her revenge. She poisoned the rest of his family. Unfortunately, Chloe's peer did not defend her actions. The other slaves knew what she had done and hanged her. It is believed Chloe resides on this property to this very day. The next is another story we've talked about before, the Vasilla Axe Murders. More than a century later, one brutal night still haunts the small town of Vasilla, Iowa. In the early hours of the morning of June 10th, 1912, Josiah and Sarah Moore, their four children, and family friends, Lena and Ina Stillinger, were bludgeoned to death in their sleep at the Moore's home. As the investigation unfolded, it was found that the doors of the house were locked, all but two windows were covered, and the murder weapon and axe was left at the scene. The killings remained unsolved. In 1994, the house's new owners restored the property to a near-exact replica of how it looked at the time of the murders. Paranormal investigators have named the Vasilla Axe Murder House as one of the most haunted in the country, with a ghost hunter even stabbing himself after a night spent in the home. The house is open for day tours and stays for $428 a night, with many occupants reporting they've had some sort of supernatural encounter like hearing voices while sleeping overnight. The next is the ghost of Hinton Apner. This haunted English mansion is what supposedly inspired Henry James to write his renowned horror novel, The Turn of the Screw, which in return was reworked for television for Netflix's The Haunting of Bly Manor. As the story goes, in January 1765, the Ricketts family moved into the manor after renting it from a woman named Lady Stalwell. Almost immediately, the inhabitants and staff, particularly Miss Ricketts, reported multiple instances of observing ghostly beings and hearing disturbing sounds. Sightings included a swiftly mannered tall woman in a silk dress and cloaked figure. While living at the mansion, Miss Ricketts heard gunshots, slamming doors, footsteps, shrieks, and moans. The be- she quotes, They began before I went to bed and were heard till after broad day in the morning. A shrill female voice 
would begin, and then two others with man-like tones seemed to join in in the discourse. Through this conversation, it sounded as if close to me, I never could distinguish words, she wrote at the time, according to the National Trust. After seven years, the Ricketts moved out once the home was deemed unfit for occupation. When it was demolished in 1793, workers found a box on the ground that contained a small skull. It was thought the remains were from the child of Lord Stalwell and his sister-in-law, Hronora, who were decreed the ghost of Hinton Apner. The property has been reconstructed multiple times over the decades to reflect the era and is now under the care of the UK's National Trust. Our next story is Huggin' Molly. The legend of Huggin' Molly was passed down for generations in the small town of Abbeville, Alabama. It is said that the ghost of Molly, a cloaked seven-foot-tall woman, roams the streets of Abbeville at night. If children cross her while out and about, she'll chase them, envelop them in an unwelcome embrace, and scream in their ears. Legends of their of her origin vary from versions that say she has a woman she was a woman who tragically lost her baby to a local professor who was attempting to keep kids from venturing out at night she's become so ingrained in the folklore of the town that there is a believed local cafe named after her anybody who grew up in abelville Grew up knowing the legend of Huggin' Molly, a native of the town, Jimmy Rame told AL.com. If your mother or dad didn't want you to be out at dark, they'd tell you Huggin' Molly would get you, and you believed it, too. Okay, our next story is Murderer on the Loose. A man was lying in bed one evening when he noticed there was lots of sirens in the streets outside. There was a helicopter flying around overhead and the sounds of barking dogs and shouting people. He looked out his window and saw a great deal of police activity, so he went online to discover what was going on. Serial killer escapes, said the headlines. As he read further, the man discovered a crazed killer had broken loose and that he was believed to be in the man's neighborhood. But he wasn't too worried. As the night wore on, the noise wound down and the man went to bed. Suddenly, the man was startled awake. He thought he heard a sound. He listened carefully and was just about to go back to sleep when he heard it again. This time, the man was sure someone was trying to get in his front door. The man looked down the hallway, terrified, not knowing what to do. His mind was made up as he saw the door wobble in its frame as someone threw their entire weight against it. Without another moment of hesitation, the man leapt out of his window and ran into his yard. He paused to look over his shoulder just in time to see the light go on in his bedroom and a team of police officers pile in. The man was amazed and relieved at the same time until they felt a hand clamp tight over his mouth and the cold steel of a serial killer's knife against his throat. Our next one is the hitchhiker. A man moved to a small town and slowly got to know a few of his new neighbors. He soon learned that most of the residents believed that one of the roads out of town was haunted, but he didn't believe in ghosts, so he never asked why. One day, the man went to visit a friend in another town. He was enjoying his visit so much that he ended up staying later than he had planned. By the time he left for home, it was way past midnight. 
There was no moon that night, and once he left the town limits, the only light lighting came from his headlights. Soon it began raining, and the, ma- and the rain made it m- even more difficult to see. As a result, it was almost too late to break when the man saw the woman on the road. He jammed his foot hard to the floor, and the car swerved in the road before coming to a stop just inches from her legs. Normally, the man would drive off again, but it was so late, and the weather was terrible. He decided to offer the woman a ride. She got into his car, took off her wet hoodie, and held her hands up to the vents to capture the warmth. When they reached town, the woman directed him to her home, thanked him for the ride, and went inside. When the man got home, he discovered she had left her hoodie in his car, and he thought about driving back to her house, but it was so late that he decided to go inside to bed and return the hoodie the next day. The next morning, he drove to the house where he had dropped her off, walked to the door, and rang the bell. An older woman answered the door, and he handed her the hoodie. I gave your daughter a home, ride home last night, and she left this in my car, he said. The woman began to cry. My daughter was killed by a hit-and-run driver many years ago, she said. It happened on the road into town, and she was wearing a hoodie just like this one. The next one is called the 13th Floor. The first hotel to have more than 13 floors had a huge Halloween party to celebrate its opening. Each floor was set up like a maze, decorated with cobwebs and other Halloween decorations. There were lots of people dressed up as ghosts and ghouls to frighten the partygoers. An exciting prize was sitting on the top floor, and the first person to reach the prize would win. Jack and Sophia were two of the partygoers. They worked their way easily through the mazes on the first few floors. As they headed up the building, the hallways on each floor got darker and scarier. When they made it to the 12th floor, Jackie and Sophia heard a blood-curdling scream. As they made their way through the maze, they heard more screams and cries for help. Finally, in the lobby by the elevators, they saw blood dripping from the ceiling. The elevator dinged and the door slowly opened. This was strange because every other time they used the elevator, the doors had been quick and smooth. The light in the elevator was flickering as they stepped in and... As the doors began to close, the lights went out completely, and then screamed so loud the entire building heard them begin to ring out. At first, the partygoers thought it was part of the scary Halloween theme, but then the owners of the building turned on all the lights and asked everyone to return to the library, the lobby. But when people tried to use the elevator, it never came. The bell would ding, but the doors wouldn't open, and they were all forced to use the stairs. Down in the lobby, the building owners explained they had not played the sounds of the screams, and as they did a check of everyone who had come back, they realized Jack and Sophia had not returned. Just then, the doors to the elevator opened. It was empty except for Jack's watch, one of Sophia's shoes, and a pool of blood. Jack and Sophia were never seen again, and the building owners took away the button for the 13th floor so nobody would disappear there again. Cop wants for yes is our next story. A family was camping and let their tent to and left their tent to go on a day hike. They were a few hours from their campsite when a storm suddenly blew up. They became disoriented in the wind and driving rain. They tried to trace their steps back to the campsite but became lost in the unfamiliar backcountry. Being experienced hikers, they knew they once they were lost. It was best to stay in one place than wander in the woods, so they prepared to settle down and wait for rescue. Darkness fell, 
and the family built a fire to keep warm. As they snuggled up against each other and started to drift off to sleep, they heard a noise coming from the trees. Who's there? One of the parents called, but there was no answer. When they heard the sound again, but once they heard the sound again, but once more they called out. When there was no there was no answer. Perhaps it's someone who can't speak, suggested the daughter, so her mom called out. Is there anyone there? Clap once for yes and twice for no. There was one clap. You were right, the parents said to their daughter. There is someone out there. Are you here to rescue us? shouted the mom. Clap, clap. Are you lost like us? Clap, clap. Do you live out here in the woods? Clap, clap. Let me try, said the son. Are you a boy? Clap, clap. Are you a girl? Clap, clap. They all looked at each other, puzzled. Think he was being funny, the son asked. Are you human? Clap, clap. Now the family was scared. Are you alone? called the mom. Clap, clap. The entire family huddled, huddled together more. How many of you are there then? Clap, 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 clap. And it just continues on. Hide and seek is the next story. Two sisters were spending the time at the grandparents' house. When the sun was shining and they had plenty of fun, swimming in the lake out front, exploring the words out back, and playing all sorts of games in the garden. However, one week toward the end of their stay, it had nothing but rain. The girls had played board games, read books, made things with their craft supplies, and now they were bored. The grandparents' house was large, and the girls thought it would be an excellent place for a game of hide-and-seek. The younger sister wanted to hide first. She ran off to find a hiding place while her sister covered her eyes and began to count to 50. The older sister heard her sibling's footsteps running up the stairs and along the hallway to the back of the house. After reaching 50, she opened her eyes and went in search of her sister. The girl went into every room. She looked under the beds and in the closet, behind the curtains and behind the doors, but her sister was nowhere to be found. Finally, she reached the only room the grandparents had told them never to enter. She reached out and grasped the doorknob, turning it slowly and pushing the door open. Much to her surprise, the room was almost empty. The only item was an old, tall, carved wooden cupboard covered in cobwebs, but the door was slightly open. The girl went over, laughing, and swung the door open, expecting to find her sister, but the cupboard was empty. She leaned in, and as she did, a cold, icy... He hand reached out from the back of the dark cupboard and grabbed her wrist. She let out a scream and tried to escape, but the hand started to pull her into the cupboard. The girl's sister heard her screams and ran to find out what was happening. She entered the room and looked in on in horror as her sister began to disappear into the cupboard. Luckily, the little sister was quick thinking. She ran toward the cupboard and grabbed her sister's legs. After a brief tug of war, she managed to pull her sister out of the cupboard, and then the two girls ran from home ran from the room, slamming the door behind them. Daddy's home is the next story. The, a man and his young teenage son lived together in a small house on the outskirts of town. The lot their house sat on was large and overgrown with tall hedges blocking the house from the street. One day, the man let an over, left an, on an overnight business trip but took his son's phone charger by mistake. As a result, neither the boy nor his father could recharge their phones. Both phones were fully charged at first, but the man was delayed on his way home, and by midnight on the second day, both phones were dead. It was just after this that the boy heard a knock on the front door. 
He was a sensible boy and knew not to open the door to strangers. Instead, he looked out of his bedroom window onto the drive to see who was there. The boy saw his father's car in the drive, but he could not see the front door from his room. He went downstairs and looked through the peephole in the door to see who it was there. He could see his father on the other side of the door looking back at him, and the boy reached up to open the door, but something stopped him. Dad, the boy called out, why are you knocking on the door? Did you forget your keys? The boy waited, but there was no reply, just another knock at the door. Dad, the boy called out, why don't you just open the door and come in? But again, there was no reply. Instead, there was just a steady rhythmic knocking on the door, which began to get faster and faster. The boy's dad was knocking constantly on the door, waiting for him to open up, when he suddenly he stopped, and there was no sound at all. The boy looked through the people again. His dad was still there, so he decided to open up. When he opened the door, he discovered his dad's head taped to the door in front of the people and a trail of bloody footprints leading down the drive. The next one is the demon Hello Kitty. The woman who invented Hello Kitty has a daughter. Her daughter developed a rare form of cancer in her mouth and the doctors told her mother there was nothing they could do. Her daughter was going to die. The mother was inconsolable. Her daughter was her only child and she couldn't imagine living the rest of her life without her. She vowed to do whatever she could to save her. When the little girl was just hours from death, the mother was visited by the devil. He told her he could save her little girl, and she promised to invent a cartoon character that would end up in every home. The mother was suspicious. Why would the devil request that she create a cartoon character that would bring joy to the world? The devil's intent wasn't to bring happiness into the lives of children after all. The devil said he would use the character to hypnotize children and possess them. The mother was torn. Should she shave her should she save her own child and sacrifice all those innocent children out there? Because of her intense love for her children, the mother agreed, and her daughter recovered. In return, the mother invented Hello Kitty. The character has no mouth because her daughter's mouth was eaten away by the cancer and sewn up. It has pointy ears like the devil's horns and the word kitty means demon. So when you say hello kitty, you're actually saying hello demon and welcoming the devil into your home. The next story is the guard dog. This story is about when a girl's parents let her alone overnight for the first time. The parents told the girl to make sure all the doors and windows were locked tight after they left and not to open the door to anyone while they were gone. The girl did as she was told, and after her parents left, she went around and checked all the windows and doors. They were all locked tight. By 10 o'clock that night, the girl was bored being in the house on her own. She decided to go to her room with a big bowl of popcorn and get comfortable in bed. Not long after she got settled, she began to doze off and was woken with a start when something touched her hand. It was the dog. The family Susky had come upstairs and licked her hand while she slept. Girl went back to sleep but was awoken again. This time, she knew straight away that what had woken her up. It was the tap in the bathroom, drip, drip, dripping. She reached down to her husky who licked her hand while she fell asleep again. Every hour or so, the girl was awoken by the dripping tap. But because she had stayed up so late, she was too tired to go on and turn it off tightly. Instead, she would reach out and check for her husky and it would lick her hand while she fell asleep. It was just after 6.30 the next morning when she could stand it no longer and got up to turn off the tap. 
She walked into the bathroom and screamed. There was her husky, dead, skinned, and hanging from the ceiling. The sound had it been the tap. It was her dog. It's blood dripping onto the floor. The girl ran back to her room to phone for help. There was on her floor written in her dog's blood was the message humans can look to. Cameras don't lie is the next one. A teenage girl had been babysitting for the same family for a few years. The children were generally well-behaved, and she enjoyed looking after them. One day, the family called the babysitter with a special request. My sister and her husband died in an accident, and we have taken in their daughter, the family said, the father said. She is very quiet after what happened to her parents, but she is in no trouble. Would you mind looking after her as, as well as the other children this Saturday? The babysitter said she didn't mind at all, and on Saturday evening, she went to the family's house. The children settled down in bed, and they all quickly fell asleep except the niece. The little girl came downstairs, and after she could sit with the babysitter because the monster that killed her parents wouldn't let her go to sleep. Thinking the little girl was just imagining things, but understanding she had just lost her parents, the babysitter decided to let the little girl sit with her. Seeing the babysitter's phone, the girl asked if she could take some photos with it, and the babysitter said yes. The little girl cheered up just a little and walked around the room taking photos of her teddy in different spots and snapping sad-looking selfies. Every now and then, the girl and the girl would run back to the babysitter crying and asking her to chase them away the monster. To make the little girl feel better, the babysitter would pretend to chase it away. After a while, the little girl could stay awake no longer and fell asleep on the sofa. The babysitter carried her up to bed, tucked her in, and went back downstairs. She picked her phone with the intention of deleting the phones the little girl had taken, but when she began to look at them, she let out a scream. In each of the selfies the little girl had taken, behind her was a pair of red eyes staring out of a monster's face. The sleepover is the next story, and our last one for today. When I was a child, I lived on a street with a haunted house. A large and happy family had lived in the house until a night when one of the children was playing with matches. The youngest boy of the family dropped a lit match on his bed but was too scared to call out for help. The boy was burned alive under his covers. His parents and two sisters died with him in the flames. One evening during a sleepover, my friends and I took turns trying to scare each other with ghost stories. It was approaching midnight and unable to scare each other. We thought it would be fun to go see the haunted house in the dark. We walked through the gate together and up to what remained of the door, still set in its stone frame, door frame. The smell of smoke hung in the air and thin clouds of ash were being blown in the breeze. But until we realized, there was no breeze. Shapes began to form in clouds of ash and gray hands reaching out from the shapes. As we turned to run, screams rose up out of the ouches. Help us, we're burning, they cried. We started to run, thinking that as soon as we were clear of the house, we would be safe. But the ash shapes and the scream followed us. As we neared my home, the smell of burning was almost overwhelming. As we reached my door, I glanced over my shoulder to see a hand reaching for me. We piled through my front door, slamming it behind us, and ran up the stairs to my room, slamming the door tight, too. None of us expected to sleep, but the fear had exhausted us, and we fell into a deep slumber. The next morning, in the daylight, we were all much braver during breakfast. We talked about what happened and decided to come to the conclusion our imaginations had taken over. We decided to walk back to the house in the daylight. I opened my front door and my mouth dropped in a silent scream. 
There on the door were two large round scorches high on the door like someone had pounded on it with burning hands. Lower down there were two smaller sets of handprints as if children with burning hands had pushed against it. Finally, near the bottom of the door was a tiny set of burnt handprints as if the youngest little boy had tried in vain to push open the door and get help for his family.